Welcome to Washington Today on C-SPAN Radio for Wednesday, January 10, 2024. Republicans on the House Homeland Security Committee convene a hearing about whether to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. They say over his not enforcing immigration and border security laws. We'll talk about it with Washington Post reporter Mariana Alfaro. Hunter Biden, son of President Joe Biden, shows up at a House Oversight Committee meeting on whether to hold him in contempt of Congress for not complying with a subpoena to testify in closed session in the President Biden impeachment inquiry. A dozen House Republicans vote no on a procedural resolution in protest of the government funding agreement that Speaker Mike Johnson, a Republican, hammered out with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, a Democrat. They defeated the resolution and prevented debate on the House Republican leadership's agenda this week. Campaign 2024, Republican presidential candidate, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, suspends his campaign. And we'll hear from... Still, Republican candidates for president Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, and Vivek Ramaswamy in Iowa ahead of Monday's First in the Nation caucuses. Plus reaction from the State Department and White House after the U.S. Navy shoots down over 20 missiles and drones launched from Yemen by Iranian-backed Houthi militants. U.S. Central Command calls it a complex attack. From CNN, the House Homeland Security Committee on Wednesday convened its first impeachment hearing for Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas as Republicans pushed to impeach the top Biden administration official over the border crisis. Republicans lambasted Mayorkas during the hearing over what they claim is a dereliction of duty. As border crossings have reached record highs, Democrats decry the impeachment push as meritless. That was from CNN. The chair of the Homeland Security Committee is Congressman Mark Green, Republican from Tennessee. Today is a solemn occasion as this committee begins official impeachment proceedings in the matter of Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas and his handling of America's borders since taking office in February 2021. I wish we weren't sitting here today. I wish these proceedings were not necessary. I wish our southwest border was secure. I wish that our government was enforcing the laws passed by the Congress and doing its job to keep the American people safe. Unfortunately, Secretary Mayorkas has done none of these things. For almost a year, the House Committee on Homeland Security has conducted a comprehensive investigation into the causes, costs, and consequences of the unprecedented crisis at our southwest border. Our evidence makes it clear. Secretary Mayorkas is the architect of the devastation that we have witnessed for nearly three years. The findings of our investigation available to the public at homeland.house.gov, coupled with the Secretary's refusal to change course on the reckless decisions facilitating this crisis, have left us with no reasonable alternative than to pursue the possibility of impeachment. The Secretary's actions have brought us here today, not ours. Congressman Mark Green, Republican from Tennessee, chair of the Homeland Security Committee. He went on to describe the rise in migrants encountered at the U.S.-Mexico border And he played clips of previous testimony from Secretary Mayorkas discussing whether there is operational control of the border. And Congressman Green then talked about the committee's findings that Secretary Mayorkas is not enforcing immigration laws. After nearly three years of watching this unfold, what other conclusion is there but this is an intentional crisis? Secretary Mayorkas has brazenly refused to enforce the laws passed by Congress as an enacted policies that knowingly make our country less safe. 
What we're seeing here is a willful violation of his oath of office taken by Secretary Mayorkas. Let me repeat that, a willful violation. Secretary Mayorkas has used mass parole to release more than 1.5 million inadmissible aliens into the country, despite the Immigration and Nationality Act stating that parole is to be used only as an, I quote, case by case, end quote, and quote, temporary basis for a, quote, significant benefit or urgent humanitarian reason, end quote. The Chief Patrol Agent of the Border Patrol's Laredo sector told us last June that historically parole, and I quote, was used only in extreme humanitarian instances. If a child was sick, had to go to the hospital, we'd parole the parent in, a some, or, in or something like that. But that was very rare. It wasn't an everyday thing, end quote. This Porter Chief is right. The scale of Secretary Mayorkas's mass use and abuse of parole is unprecedented and has been declared inconsistent with the laws passed by Congress by multiple federal judges, but remains a central component of Secretary's agenda. The Immigration and Nationality Act also requires that illegal aliens apprehended crossing the border be detained pending their removal proceedings. Secretary Mayorkas has ignored this law. Congressman Mark Green, Homeland Security Committee Chair, Republican from Tennessee, at today's hearing. In his statement, he also talks about a third way that he says Secretary Mayorkas is not enforcing immigration law, and that is making it harder to deport illegal immigrants. Congressman Benny Thompson, Democrat from Mississippi, is the committee's ranking member. The truth is, securing the border isn't really the Republicans' top concern. If it was, They'd provide the people with boots on the ground at the border what they need to get the job done. Republicans would rather exploit a challenging policy issue for their own perceived political gain. Republicans disagree with the Biden administration's border and immigration policies. They are angry that this administration won't take babies from their moms or put kids in cages like the last administration. You cannot impeach a cabinet secretary because you don't like the president's policies. Let me say that again. You cannot impeach a cabinet secretary because you don't like a president's policies. That's not what impeachment's for. That's not what the Constitution says. Republicans are willing to do grave damage to the Constitution they claim to hold dear because they think it will benefit them politically. And in doing so, they're targeting Secretary Mayorkas, a public servant who spent his distinguished 30-year career serving our country as a federal prosecutor and in leadership positions across the Department of Homeland Security. The facts show Secretary Mayorkas is doing his job across the department's many critical homeland security missions, including border security and immigration enforcement. Despite what Republicans would have Americans believe, Secretary Mayorkas is enforcing immigration law. According to a recent analysis by the Cato Institute, someone who crosses the border under the current administration is more likely to be removed from the U.S. than someone who crossed under former President Trump. Republicans don't care about that. This impeachment sham clearly is about isn't about facts. It's not about the law. It's about pure and simple politics. Congressman Benny Thompson, Democrat from Mississippi. 
Washington Post political breaking news reporter Mariana Alfaro has been following today's House Homeland Security Committee hearing on the possible impeachment of the Homeland Security Secretary and joins us now on the phone. Thanks for being with us. I want to start with who were the witnesses at this hearing and what did they bring to the discussion? Yes. So uh, we heard from three um, attorney generals from uh, three different uh, Republican states. Um, One of them was Montana. And um, he specifically talked about how um, the border crisis directly affecting a state that is so far away from the southern border, specifically saying, you know, all of these drugs are coming through the border and they're affecting um, Montanans and, and, you know, law enforcement has to spend so many resources tracking down the drugs and all these people are dying because they're uh, suffering from overdoses. And basically, that was the main argument that we heard across these three uh, different GOP um, state attorney generals saying that um, the crisis at the border is leading to a lot of drug deaths. And that was uh, basically the message that I think Republicans in the committee were trying to comfort today was um, what we're seeing at the border is not only an issue for southern states, it's an issue for states all over. You write at WashingtonPost.com that during the hearing, Republicans did not clearly articulate what formal charges will be brought against mm-hmm. Secretary Mayorkas, but they maintain that the secretary has been derelict in his duty to secure the border. Have they made up their mind that they will impeach? Is is that what's happening here, or is this still an exploration stage? It seems like it is very likely that Republicans will continue pushing with the effort to impeach. Just, you know, you know they haven't really given... Um, I, I guess a smoking gun. They haven't shown any evidence that uh, what Mallorca does is uh, under the Constitution like an impeachable offense, aka like a big crime, um, something that uh, you know Mallorca would have done to self, you know, to, to better himself, like that kind of stuff. They haven't really shown evidence of that. But what they're arguing is that he still has uh, committed impeachable offenses by not securing the border and not keeping Americans safe. That's what their entire argument hinges on. And the thing is. Um, I think that because we're in election year, it seems very likely they're going to continue pushing this because um, even more moderate Republicans think that it, it, it kind of is, you know, something they can show to their voters and say, you know, we're trying to do something about the border. Uh, we're trying to come from Mallorca, who's the one who runs this uh, for the Biden administration. Um, so for now, I didn't see any of them backing down. Um, Democrats, that's a whole other conversation. Well, how have the Democrats approached it? Yeah, so what Democrats are arguing is that that same bit I told you, that there has not been any evidence of a serious crime or a big impeachable offense, and that's what their witness said today. They had um, a professor, a constitutional law expert, talk about how um, impeachment was designed uh, not only, you know, to, to, you know, take down presidents who committed, you know, big crimes against the country or, um, you know, acted in, in only their favor and not in favor of the American people, but also... Um, you know, against uh, members of his cabinet. But the thing he, he said, you can't take down um, a member of the cabinet just because they're not doing the job um, that you want them to be doing. Um, this professor, I think he's from the University of Missouri, um, he said that impeachment is not supposed to be a routine tool to, you know, resolve debate. Um, it's supposed to be a tool used in emergencies uh, when someone has committed a very bad offense. And he said there's no evidence right now that Mayorkas did that. We're talking with Washington Post reporter Mariana Alfaro. This all comes as Senate Democrats and Republicans have been in negotiations over border security and immigration. So why is the House pursuing impeachment with this still out there and and potentially available? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's a very interesting split screen because you're seeing, you know, House Republicans mount this offense against Mayorkas and saying that he's not doing his job right, that he's not willing to do anything to protect the border. And then you see the Senate side, and he is clearly negotiating with um, Senate Republicans about how to, you know, strike a deal on the border and, you know, secure more funding and, and all that stuff. 
So it's very interesting to see um, Republicans on, on both chambers act quite differently towards Mayorkas. It was reported over the weekend that the Senate and the White House have struck something of a deal in terms of budgeting, and that includes um, some concessions on the border. And it definitely is not enough for House Republicans who, who want more um, staunch uh, uh, defense over there. So um, I think because they're not getting that, um, they're willing to continue pursuing Mallorca despite whatever deals he might strike with the Senate Republicans. And finally, back to the House Homeland Security proceedings, mm-hmm. what happens next? This is the first hearing of the year. Have they said mm-hmm. where it goes? Um, so far, they're going to continue um, holding a few more hearings. I think that they um, have already had Mallorca come in and talk. I don't know if they're planning on having him come back again. He has continuously continued. He has continued defending himself um, uh, against these um, allegations. He was on Monday um, at the border saying that he's doing his job. He has not committed anything illegal. He's um, just following, you know, what the administration has asked him to do. Um, so we'll see if he come back, comes back to the Hill for another hearing before the committee. But uh, for now, um, we can just expect them to continue uh, pushing forward this um, report that the, the House Republicans in the committee published about how um, they claim America has not been doing his job well enough to protect the border. But so far, there hasn't come a, a serious House vote on this impeachment effort yet. Mariana Alfaro is Washington Post political breaking news reporter. Find her stories at WashingtonPost.com and on X at Mariana A underscore Alfaro. Thank you very much. And from Reuters, the only secretary to ever be impeached was former President Ulysses S. Grant's Secretary of War in 1876, following allegations of corruption, demonstrating the exceptional nature of the proceedings. That's how Reuters puts it. And some other immigration and border security news. Spokesperson for the House Speaker, Mike Johnson, Republican from Louisiana, says that Speaker Johnson spoke with President Biden today. The Speaker strongly encouraged the President to use his executive authority to secure the southern border and reiterated the contents of his letter to the president dated December 21st, 2023. And an article with NBC News explains that in the letter, Speaker Johnson urged President Biden to take several steps to secure the border, including ending the policy that allows Customs and Border Protection to release migrants to the U.S. without court dates, denying entry or detaining undocumented immigrants at ports of entry, restricting parole, which allows the administration to temporarily admit some migrants and pursuing agreements with other countries like Canada to take those seeking U.S. asylum. That's from NBC News. The White House Press Secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, asked about the call, confirmed that there was a call between the president and the speaker, but would not talk about the content of it. From the New York Times, Hunter Biden, the president's son, surprised Republicans on the House Oversight Committee on Wednesday morning when he briefly appeared in the hearing room as they were poised to vote to hold him in contempt of Congress for failing to sit for a private deposition. The arrival of the younger Mr. Biden, who has repeatedly offered to testify publicly in the impeachment inquiry into President Biden, but refused to be interviewed behind closed doors, prompted chaos in the proceedings as Democrats and Republicans bickered about whether to allow him to be heard. That was the New York Times reporting. C-SPAN covered this hearing. Here is Congresswoman Nancy Mace, Republican of South Carolina, from her position on the dais, speaking to Hunter Biden in the audience. First question is, who bribed Hunter Biden to be here today? That's my first question. Um, Second question, you are the epitome of white privilege, coming into the Oversight Committee, spitting in our face, ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed. What are you afraid of? You have no balls to come up here and- Mr. Chairman, point of inquiry. Mr. Chairman, 
Um, if the, the lady recognizes, if the general lady wants to hear from Hunter Biden, we can hear from him right now, Mr. Chairman. Let's take a vote and hear from Hunter Biden. What are you afraid of? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Order, order, order. Are women allowed to speak in here or no? Are women allowed to speak in here or no? You keep interrupting me. I'll interrupt the chairman. I don't know that he's a lady. I think that that Hunter Biden should be arrested right here, right now, and go straight to jail. Our nation is founded on the rule of come law. Come on, come on. And the premise come that on. the law applies equally to everyone, no oh, matter oh, what your last Point of order, Mr. Chairman. Uh, point of order. It doesn't matter who you are. Point of order, Mr. Chairman. Part of the Oversight and Accountability Committee meeting in the House today. More from the New York Times article, Hunter Biden is under federal indictment facing accusations of tax crimes related to his overseas business interests. Republicans are hunting for evidence that his father was inappropriately involved in his foreign business dealings and are working to build a case for charging the president with bribery and corruption, but have so far turned up no proof of either. And that was reporting from The New York Times. Here's more from Congresswoman Nancy Mace talking about that. It does not matter who you are, where you come from, or who your father is, or your last name. Yes, I'm looking at you, Hunter Biden, as I'm speaking to you. You are not above the law. At all. The facts in this case are crystal clear. This committee used and issued a lawful subpoena to Hunter Biden, a critical witness in this committee's investigation into Biden family corruption. Hunter Biden and his lawyers did not claim privilege of any kind because clearly he has none. They didn't contest the legitimacy of our reasons for issuing this subpoena, no reasons, because they clearly are legitimate. And yet, he refused to comply. Uh, Trump's family members, Don Trump Jr., he, uh, he did not defy a congressional subpoena. He showed up multiple times for multiple depositions for several hours. Um, in doing so, you know, Hunter Biden broke the law. He did so deber- deliberately. You did so flagrantly. You showed up on the Hill, on the Senate side, the day of that congressional subpoena to defy it and spit in the face of this committee. Republican Congressman Nancy Mays at the Oversight and Accountability Committee meeting on a resolution holding Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress. Outside the committee room, Hunter Biden stood beside his lawyer, Abby Lowell, who gave a statement to reporters. Hunter Biden was and is a private citizen. Despite this, Republicans have sought to use him as a surrogate to attack his father. And despite their improper partisan motives, on six different occasions since February of 2023, we have offered to work with the House committees to see what and how relevant information to any legitimate inquiry could be provided. Our first five offers were ignored, and then in November, they issued a subpoena for a behind-closed-doors deposition, a tactic that the Republicans have repeatedly misused in their political crusade to selectively leak and mischaracterize what witnesses have said. What are you going to do on the House? Last fall, Chairman Comer made an explicit offer to conduct that people like Hunter and had, like him, the option to attend a deposition or a public hearing, whichever they chose. Hunter chose a hearing where Republicans could not distort, manipulate, or misuse that testimony. Honor, and then ignoring that invitation and proving once again that they cared little about the truth 
and wanted only to, quote, move the needle of political support, which was a quote Chairman Comer confessed was his true purpose. The Republican chairs today then are commandeering an unprecedented resolution to hold someone in contempt who has offered to publicly answer all their proper questions. The question there is, what are they afraid of? Abby Lowell, the attorney for Hunter Biden, standing beside Hunter Biden in the hallway outside the room where the House Oversight and Accountability Committee was meeting to consider the resolution holding Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress. Hunter Biden himself answered a reporter's question as they walked to the hallway with a lot of other reporters around. Mr. Biden, why did you put your dad on speakerphone with your business partners if he had no involvement in your business? Do you have a dad? Did he call you? Yes. Did he answer the phone? Yes. Okay. But why did you need to talk to him during business meetings if he had nothing to do with your business? Hunter Biden with a reporter. He did not answer that follow-up question. The committee chair, James Comer, Republican of Kentucky, told Newsmax in an interview on Monday that if the House passes the resolution holding Biden in contempt or recommending the Justice Department bring that charge, and the Attorney General Merrick Garland does not follow through, that could be grounds for impeaching the Attorney General. Congressman Comer said, we know how he's treated the two Republicans that were held in contempt of Congress. Now he's going to have an opportunity to hold the same type of justice with a Democrat that disavowed a lawful subpoena. The House Judiciary Committee also approving a resolution holding Hunter Biden in contempt for violating a subpoena. And so the full House will consider the resolutions next week. This is Washington Today. From Newsweek, some Republicans in the House representatives have discussed vacating House Speaker Mike Johnson over the spending agreement he made with Democrats over the weekend. Johnson could face the same fate as his predecessor after some conservative members of Congress were outraged over the Speaker's budget deal with Democratic leadership, struck in an attempt to avoid a partial government shutdown as the January 19th funding deadline nears. On Sunday, Johnson, Democrats, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, and House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries announced a tentative agreement that would establish an overall spending level of nearly $1.66 trillion in 2024, similar to the bipartisan deal struck last year between President Joe Biden and McCarthy, despite cuts noted by Johnson in a letter to Congress. That was reporting from Newsweek. Speaker Johnson held a news conference today and got a question about it. Some of members of your conference who oppose the spending deal you reach with the Senate have talked about a motion to vacate. Chip Roy talked about it yesterday publicly. Tim Burchard has said that he's still pondering it. What do you say in response to those members? And are you concerned that you could lose your job over this deal as the last speaker did over the first CR? No, look, I'm, I'm not concerned about that. We're, we're leading. Um, Chip Roy is one of my closest friends. We, we agree on almost everything in principle. What I've talked with him about is the reality of being in what is soon to be the smallest majority in the history of the Congress, except for one exception, I think, in 1917, according to my research. Um, we have very difficult challenges, but we're going to advance the ball. We're going to advance our conservative principles, and we are going to demonstrate that we can govern well. And I'm going to keep trudging forward. Look, leadership is tough. Um, you, you take a lot of uh, criticism. But um, I remember I am a hardline conservative. That's what they used to call me. I, I come from that camp. Chip and I agree on spending, that we've got to dramatically reduce it. And I have a long record as a legislator of trying to cut spending. And when I was chairman of RSC, we, uh, we prepared budgets that would, uh, that would get us back to balance. So this is a very serious priority of mine. This, to me, this deal, this agreement, 
is a down payment on restoring us to fiscal sanity in this country. It's critically important. Remember, last week, we crossed a dangerous threshold, $34 trillion in federal debt. $34 trillion. We, we borrow every 140 days, as, as uh, Congressman Schweikert pointed out in our conference this morning, every 140 days we have to borrow $1 trillion. Just think about that. The scale of this is incredible. So we have to bend the spending curve. We have to cut more. And we're going to. And I think we demonstrate we govern well. We're going to grow the House majority and, and uh, for the Republican Party in this upcoming election. I believe Republicans are going to win the Senate and the White House. And we're going to turn this thing completely around, and I can't wait to do it. House Speaker Mike Johnson at a news conference today on Capitol Hill. He also said he's hopeful that all of the fiscal year 2024 spending bills whose funding is set to expire when current funding runs out January 19th for some, February 2nd for the rest, will be written, debated, passed, and signed into law by then, preventing a government shutdown and avoiding the need for another temporary funding measure called the Continuing Resolution, or CR. But he said he's not going to rule out having to pass another one of those. The Senate Republican leader, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, said Tuesday that obviously we're going to have to pass another CR. He mentioned Congressman Chip Roy, Republican of Texas. He was interviewed on Blaze TV today about his opposition to the government spending agreement. The Republicans doing exactly what they always do, which is be the party of excuses, the party that will never find a way to not capitulate and spend more money that we don't have and rack up more debt. So what are we doing now under Speaker Johnson, right? New speaker, more of the same garbage. We're going to have a bill that's $1.66 trillion. That is almost, uh, I think that's about $58 billion more than the disastrous Nancy Pelosi omnibus bill the Republicans opposed a year ago. It is $100 billion more than what we would get if Republicans had the spine to walk onto the House floor and send a simple year-long continuing resolution over to the Senate that would trigger the cuts, albeit a meager in the debt deal last summer, it would trigger cuts that we could get $1.562 trillion in spending. They won't do that because they're all in the hip pocket of all the lobbyists and they hide behind our military. And now we're not going to get the border secure. We're going to spend $100 billion more than we have to. We're going to increase spending over the Nancy Pelosi spending deal. And Republicans are going to go try to sell you and the American people that that's somehow a win. Don't believe them. This is what the American people are tired of. And I'm look, I'm going to call balls and strikes. I, I call balls and strikes on Kevin. I'm going to call balls and strikes on Mike uh, as speaker. People should call balls and strikes on me. That's the way it works. Congressman Chip Roy, Republican from Texas, on the phone with Blaze TV. On the House floor today, a dozen Republicans, including Congressman Roy, voted no on a procedural resolution setting up rules for debate for three other bills this week. It was a protest of the spending deal that he talked about. The resolution was defeated 203 to 216. Another no vote was Congressman Matt Rosendale, Republican of Montana, who held a news conference today with other House Republicans and some Senate Republicans, and it was titled Shut Down the Border or Shut Down the Government. House Democratic Caucus Chair Pete Aguilar of California at his news conference was asked about the Democratic perspective on the federal government spending deal negotiated between Speaker Johnson and the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. How concerned are you that Republicans will keep their word given that they've shown, you know, in previous negotiations that sometimes it's a little flimsy? 
Well, I mean, the Fiscal Responsibility Act is the law of the land. There's an agreement on these top line numbers. The appropriators are going to do their work now uh, to mark up to uh, the numbers that are that are law on the spending side. Uh, we have made very clear that Democrats will not support uh, Republican conservative um, writers that uh, seek to um, you know, unwind that process. And so we're going to make sure that we're standing up for women's reproductive freedom. We're going to make sure that we're standing up uh, for our communities. And uh, any attempts by um, the extreme voices within the Republican conference to upset that appropriations process uh, will mean that Democrats can engage. And we already know that Republicans can't pass these laws can't pass these bills on their own because they've demonstrated that time and time again. It was Democratic votes uh, that avoided uh, the debt limit, that created the, the FRA, and it was Democratic votes that passed every continuing resolution so far. Uh, it's just deeply troubling that uh, the Republican conference doesn't understand this, that we need a strong bipartisan process within the Appropriations Committee uh, to pass uh, funding bills. Congressman Pete Aguilar, Democrat from California, the House Democratic Caucus chair at a news conference. Wall Street today, the Dow up 170, Nasdaq up 111, S&P up 26. The U.S. Senate today failed to override President Biden's veto of a bill that would repeal a Consumer Financial Protection Bureau rule that requires lenders to collect and report demographic data on small business loan applicants. The Senate vote was 54 to 45, short of the two-thirds needed to override a veto. Mostly Republicans voting yes. Three Democrats did, Hickenlooper, Manchin, and Tester, and the two independents also voting yes to override King and Cinema. Washington Today continues in a moment. Welcome back to Washington Today, available as a podcast on the free C-SPAN Now mobile app and wherever you find your podcasts. Story from CNN, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken warned Wednesday that there will be consequences for the continued Houthi attacks in the Red Sea. Blinken's warning comes as the Yemen-based Iranian-backed militant group shows no signs of de-escalation and the potential for regional flare-up looms large. On Tuesday, the U.S. Navy shot down 21 Houthi missiles and drones launched from Yemen, according to a statement from U.S. Central Command, in one of the largest Houthi attacks to take place in the Red Sea in recent months. There were no ships damaged in the attacks and no injuries as a result of the massive drone and missile launch, CENTCOM said. The Houthis have recently carried out scores of attacks and seized a commercial vessel and its crew in what they claim is retaliation for the Israeli war against Hamas in Gaza. The attacks have already had consequences for the global economy as they have effectively closed one of the world's main trade routes to most container ships. That was from CNN. Here's Secretary Blinken speaking to reporters at the airport in Bahrain home of the U.S. Navy's 5th Fleet. You talk about responding, you talk about consequences. Given that the Houthis have claimed credit for this attack, they said it was targeted towards an American warship. Have we reached the point where talk of consequences have to turn into action? Look, I'm not going to uh, telegraph or preview anything that, uh, that might happen. All I can tell you is, again, we've made clear, we've been clear with uh, more than 20 other countries that if this continues, as it did yesterday, there will be consequences. And I'm going to leave it at that. And, and you also talked about the Iranians being behind this, that they've been supporting the Houthis. Uh, do the consequences extend to the Iranians as well? Again, all I can tell you is that, as we've made clear, and many other countries made clear, 
there'll be consequences for the Houthis' actions. Uh, we've also uh, repeatedly tried to make clear to Iran, uh, as other countries have as well, that the support that they're providing to the Houthis, uh, including for these actions, needs to stop. Uh, it's not in their interest to see the conflict uh, escalated, uh, and we're not the only ones who sent that message to Iran. Secretary of State Antony Blinken on the airport tarmac in Bahrain, a late addition to his Middle East trip. Earlier in the day, he met with the Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas in the West Bank. More on the U.S. response to the Houthi attacks from John Kirby, spokesperson for the White House National Security Council, at today's White House briefing. Iran-backed Houthis launched a complex attack of one-way attack drones, anti-ship cruise missiles, and an anti-ship ballistic missile into the Red Sea. Yesterday afternoon, President Biden was briefed by his national security team, and that included the national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, Secretary Austin, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Brown, and Secretary Blinken, all on the latest developments in Israel and in Gaza, uh, but also, of course, these attacks by the Houthis in the Red Sea. Thankfully, due to some exceptional work by naval personnel aboard the aircraft carrier USS Dwight D. Eisenhower and the destroyers, Gravely, Laboon, and Mason, as well as uh, a ship from the United Kingdom, the HMS Diamond. There were no injuries and there was no damage reported. But make no mistake, at the time, U.S. vessels, commercial and military, and dozens of other merchant vessels were transiting in the area of this attack. Had they been hit, innocent lives very well could have been lost. So we'll say it again. These attacks against vessels in the Red Sea pose a direct threat to lives, to freedom of navigation, and to global trade in one of the world's most critical waterways. And despite what the Houthis may say, they are threatening and targeting commercial vessels with ties to countries all over the world, many of which have no connection to Israel whatsoever. These attacks are unlawful, they're reckless, and they are escalatory. The United States has built an international naval coalition of more than 20 countries that are countering these attacks and protecting international commerce through what we now call Operation Prosperity Guardian, and that's what you saw happen yesterday. Unfortunately, that operation is required, and you could see the results yesterday, uh, uh, the, the need for those military capabilities. We've issued new sanctions on individuals and entities that are facilitating the Houthi attacks, and we're working closely with the, bless you, we're working closely with the UN Security Council members uh, to pass a resolution to show international solidarity on this critical issue. The text of that resolution, which will likely be voted on later today, unequivocally demands that the Houthis cease these attacks. It also underscores the Security Council's support for navigational rights and stresses that the transit passage of merchant and commercial vessels through the Red Sea must be able to continue unimpeded. And earlier this month, as you saw, 14 countries, including the United States, delivered the clearest warning yet to the Houthis, making it clear that they will, and I quote, bear the responsibility for consequences should they continue to threaten lives, the global economy, or the free flow of commerce in the region's critical waterways. The United States does not seek conflict. We do, we do, however, seek the safe and secure passage of international commerce to the Red Sea, and we're going to continue to coordinate and consult closely with our allies and partners about the appropriate next steps should these attacks continue. John Kirby, Strategic Communications Coordinator for the White House National Security Council in the White House briefing room today. Israel War Cabinet member Benny Gantz in a news conference in Tel Aviv, reports CNN, said that today there is no effective Hamas rule in a large part of the Gaza Strip. Public institutions have been destroyed. 
does not provide education or medical services except through international organizations. And he said, if any of the abductees are watching us now, it is important for you to know we are doing everything so that you can return to your loved ones who never stop fighting for you. This is Washington Today. Associated Press in Iowa, just two Republican presidential candidates, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, will meet on the debate stage Wednesday night. With just five days before the Iowa caucuses, the debate may be their last best chance to change the trajectory of the race before voting begins. The big frontrunner, Donald Trump, was the only other candidate to meet the 10% polling threshold to participate. But as he has six times before, the Republican former president is declined to show up given his overwhelming lead in the polls. That was from Associated Press. The debate tonight is being hosted by CNN. Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley have been crisscrossing Iowa this week. One stop for Governor DeSantis was Des Moines, and one of the topics he covered was government spending. What they are doing is government is too big. Uh, you have a massive bureaucracy, and, but then the scope of it is also too big. So yeah, we're going to reduce the size of the bureaucracy, which is important. Uh, but I think even more important is reducing the scope because government's getting involved in things that it shouldn't be, be getting into. I mean, I've traveled around Iowa. I've gone to all 99 counties. You have uh, things like waters of the United States. You go in and you see a puddle on somebody's farm, and all of a sudden there's federal jurisdiction. Now, that went to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court pushed back, but Biden administration is going to try to do more and more. That is way, way outside anything that would be acceptable in terms of the scope, proper scope of the federal government. So we'll be on a mission to reduce both the size and the scope, uh, because I think if you look at a lot of the things that they're doing, whether it's ESG, whether it's so many of these other things, that's going to be costly. It's definitely going to be bad for the economy, and it's ultimately bad uh, for individual freedom. Uh, no one's really been able to go in and methodically work uh, to rein this in. And the reason is, is because it requires focus, it requires discipline, it requires an understanding of the levers of power that a president has at his disposal. Um, and it requires a, a view that this is not going to happen in a day where you just flip a switch, uh, that people have accumulated power in this bureaucracy for a long time. They're just not just going to give it back. You've got to go and you've got to unwind this. But that's going to be a priority for us because I just think that we can't go on where so much of the things that happen in this country are governed by unelected bureaucrats. Republican presidential candidate Ron DeSantis in Des Moines today. Rival candidate for the Republican nomination Nikki Haley was in Waukee, Iowa Tuesday night. And some of the topics she brought up, border security and veterans affairs. We are going to secure our borders and we're going to do more than build a wall. We are going to make sure that we do what I did in South Carolina. As governor, we passed one of the toughest illegal immigration laws in the country. Obama sued us over it and we won. We did an e-verify, so we're going to do a national e-verify program and require businesses prove that the people they hire in this country legally. We're going to defund sanctuary cities once and for all. No more safe havens for illegal immigrants. We're going to make sure we put 25,000 Border Patrol and ICE agents on the ground and let them do their job. We're going to make sure that we go back to the Remain in Mexico policy so that no one even steps foot on U.S. soil. 
And instead of catch and release, we're going to go to catch and deport. We're going to send them back because that's what we have to do to stop incentivizing people from coming over in the first place. We're going to take care of our veterans once and for all and make sure that we never have another veteran that's homeless and that they can go to the doctor or hospital of their choice. Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley Tuesday night in Waukee, Iowa. As part of C-SPAN's campaign 2024 event coverage, you can find the full video at cspan.org slash campaign 2024. Another Republican presidential candidate, Vivek Ramaswamy, held a town hall meeting Tuesday night in Pella, Iowa. Actually, his wife, Apoorva, was there in person, but due to bad weather, the candidate joined via iPad. I was very impressed with your heart for identity and bringing us back to what an American is and your strong conviction in the truth of that. And so just asked her if she uh, could share, would you be willing to share with us um, what are some things or some ways that you see you could put into place to see that happen? And do you want to introduce your kids? Oh, yes. And this is my nine-year-old daughter, Amelia. My husband, Andy, of 24 years. My son, Clayton, 15 years old. Well, I'll say a few things. I think um, the revival of the family is something that we've lost in this country. And I think that our own government today, sadly, is paying for the breakdown of that family. But you say you come with your family, you talk about your husband of so many years. And that's something that Apoorva and I will, will hopefully, God willing, in, in, with uh, the next number of years ahead of us be saying the same thing years from now with our children growing up that's what this country was founded on today we're using our taxpayer money to pay people more money to not have a man in the house than to have a man in the house and i think that's driven this epidemic of fatherlessness i know that's not the heart of your question but i just wanted to say a word and that's actually very important to me i grew up not in economic privilege but i had the ultimate privilege of having Two parents in the house with a focus on education and instilling in us a belief in God. And that, too, I think, is part of the foundation of how we revived who we are as Americans. Now, part of the job of the U.S. president isn't just policy. It's reviving our national character, actually, standing for who we are as Americans. Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy joining the campaign event in Pella, Iowa, remotely because he couldn't get there in person because of snowstorms. Republican presidential candidate Chris Christie, former New Jersey governor, announcing tonight at an event in Wyndham, New Hampshire, he is suspending his presidential campaign. I've always said that there came a point in time in this race where I couldn't see a path to accomplishing that goal that I would get out. And it's clear to me tonight that there isn't a path for me to win the nomination, which is why I'm suspending my campaign tonight for President of the United States. I know, and I can see it from some of the faces here, that I'm disappointing some people by doing this. People who believe in our message and believe in what we've been doing. I also know, though, it's the right thing for me to do. Because I want to promise you this, I am going to make sure that in no way do I enable Donald Trump ever be president of the United States again. And that's more important than my own personal ambition.
And from Associated Press, Donald Trump won't make his own closing argument in his New York civil business fraud trial after his lawyers objected to the judge's insistence that the former president would stick to relevant matters. Judge Arthur Engeron rescinded permission on Wednesday, a day ahead of closing arguments in the trial. The trial could cost Donald Trump hundreds of millions of dollars in penalties and strip him of his ability to do business in New York. His lawyers had signaled Thursday that he planned to take the extraordinary step of delivering a summation personally, in addition to arguments from his legal team. That from Associated Press. In Great Britain, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is promising action to address what is being called the Post Office Horizon Scandal. Between 1999 and 2015, about 3,500 sub-postmasters were accused and over 700 convicted wrongly of theft, fraud, and false accounting because of mistakes in the post office's accounting software. The prime minister and the opposition leaders spoke to this at today's prime minister's questions in the House of Commons. Mr. Speaker, this is one of the greatest miscarriages of justice in our nation's history. People who worked hard to serve their communities have their lives and their reputations destroyed through absolutely no fault of their own. The victims must get justice and compensation. Sir Wynne Williams' inquiry has undertaken crucial work to, under, to expose what went wrong, and we've paid almost £150 million in compensation to over 2,500 victims. Uh, but today I can announce that we will introduce new primary legislation to make sure that those convicted as a result of the Horizon scandal are swiftly exonerated and compensated. We will also introduce a new upfront payment of £75,000 for the vital GLO group of postmasters. And can I thank my honourable friend, the member for Thurscombe Moulton, for all his hard work on this issue. He will set out more details to the House shortly. We will make sure that the truth comes to light. We right the wrongs of the past, and the victims get the justice they deserve. Leader of the Opposition, Keir Starmer. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I heard what the Prime Minister just said about the post office scandal. It is a huge injustice. People lost their lives, their liberty and their livelihood, and they have been waiting far too long for the truth, for justice and for compensation. So I am glad the Prime Minister is putting forward a proposal. We will look at the details, and I think it is the job of all of us to make sure that it delivers the justice that is so needed. The British Labour leader Keir Starmer and the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak of the Conservative Party at today's Prime Minister's Questions in the House of Commons in London. A TV drama airing in Great Britain called attention to this scandal. It's called Mr. Bates versus the Post Office. Thanks for listening to Washington Today. Sign up for C-SPAN's free evening newsletter, Word for Word, and get the stories making headlines in Washington sent to your inbox every day. Subscribe at cspan.org slash connect. Have a good night.